Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm Matthew's older brother. I'm a writer. And with me is Matthew. Hey, everybody. This week, we're going to be talking about Matthew's most recent episode, which dropped on January 12th, 2021. What you need to know before getting a Tesla Powerwall. No question marks here. No. <laughs> the trend of questions is gone. And we've entered a new era of definitive statements. <laughs> what do you need to know? So this video was full of you shrugging and putting your hands up like that little emoji made out of Japanese characters. <laughs> and saying, didn't know it before, but know it now. Yeah. And I was curious, you go through a number of missteps that you only saw once you stepped in them. Yep. And yep. I was wondering from your perspective, what was the single biggest surprising expense? Expense or just the biggest whoopsies? <laughs> well, let's do both. Which one was the expense that you were surprised by? There really wasn't an expense because the installation, the I, fee I paid was actually pretty good. It was mm -hmm. really low. I think the biggest... I, I think I would have much rather has spent a little more money and gotten a better contractor mm -hmm. and had the installation, ha, had somebody that was a little more willing to be hands-on and walking me through the process than right. my contractor who was extremely hands-off. Mm -hmm. All he, they were planning on doing was just slap it in and walk away. That's right. all they were planning on doing. And it was, that to me was the biggest whoopsie was, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the, uh, what was it? Um, Indiana Jones, the last crusade, you know, the, and he chose poor, yeah. you know, that moment. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt. It's like, I didn't go with Tesla because they said, we're not gonna be able to get to you for four or five months. Um, or we can ship it to you and you can pick your own contractor and get it done faster. And so I said, that's the path I'll go. Right. In the end, it took me probably about the same amount of time that it would have taken Tesla. So right. I should have, my biggest, I chose poorly was. I should have just gone with Tesla and time frame would have been no different. And it probably would have been less headaches because, you know, they would have come in and got it done all in one go. Right. Um, it was, it was, yeah, that was my biggest whoopsie. So that was the biggest whoopsie. But as far as expenses were concerned, you didn't feel like there was a no. sudden, oh, how much money is that going to be? I didn't expect that. No, because one of the initial quotes when I was looking for uh, contractors of my own, one quote came in at $7,000. The Powerwall itself is 6500 So they were going to charge me more than the actual Powerwall to install the Powerwall. And then the initial quote I got from this company who was working through Tesla, they had to, they were restricted in how much they could charge me. Mm -hmm. um, it was 1800 bucks. Right. So it was like, well, why would I spend 7000 when I could spend $1,800? Um, other quotes I got were in the middle of that range. You know, there was one for about 4000 There was one for like five. So it's like they were all over the place. Um, and I kind of wish I had gone with one of those in the middle of the pack installers because they were going to, one of them talked about doing a sub panel and like doing all this other stuff. So it's like they would have been more hands-on, custom tailored, walking me through the process. And that's, that's, so for me, it's like, it probably would have been worth the extra money. I've gotten some comments in the video of, well, I'm glad I'm an electrician or I'm glad I know how to do this stuff myself to get it done right. And it's like, I don't care if you you know how to do the stuff right. Tesla will actually not give you the Powerwall unless you are certified to install Powerwalls. Right. 
And so they, they even told me, you can get any electrician you want, but if they're not certified by us, they will have to go through the certification process before they can install it. Right. So Tesla won't even give it to you unless right. you get certified. So this is not something a homeowner that's like a DIY kind of guy can do, yeah. period. You just can't. And the second thing was this installation all in probably took a day and a half to two days to put in. Right. And that's way more than I was expecting because I thought, oh, this will be a simple one. It's in my garage right next to the panel. Probably won't be that bad. Well, <laughs> the, the guys that did it were here for long hours. The first day was a very long day for the mm. first first installer. Um, it was it was I was surprised. Um, so it, the cost of it made more sense. And then I started to realize what they charged me was probably way undercharging me. I bet they lost money on the job personally. Mm. Um because they, they ended up subcontracting. The first guy was a subcontractor because of the whole COVID nightmare. They ended up having to right. subcontract a guy that wasn't one of their usual guys. And so they ended up paying a subcontractor and he was here for way more than eight hours. He was here probably 10 or 11 hours the first time. And the, the amount they charged me, it's like, okay, they probably just lost money. The flip side of my first question is what would be the surprisingly least difficult part of this process or the smallest expense, something you thought, oh, I'm going to have to do something here, but you didn't have to do anything. There really isn't. It's, mm -hmm. it's more of a, I was told you really need to make sure you have a good network connection near the, the gateway. They prefer to have an ethernet jack nearby and you can do Wi-Fi, but they prefer an ethernet jack. And so I spent time and energy running a little mini switch to get over to that area so they could plug in all that stuff. Anyone, you know what they didn't use? The ethernet? They didn't use the ethernet. So I was like, <laughs> okay. I just went, you know, I spent several hours running new lines and getting stuff all set up for them and they didn't use right. it. I was like, okay, great. Perfect. A little neon sign above it that says ethernet and then little yeah. arrows pointing down. Like I even pointed to it when they showed up. I was like, and I ran this so that you guys can plug in here and they didn't do it. So I was like, okay. That's how we're going to go. <laughs> did they, I, I'm not bitter. Did they set it up? <laughs> did they set it up for Wi-Fi? Yes, they they connected to the Wi-Fi, and it works fine. The Wi-Fi did totally they fine. tell you that they wanted that Ethernet was preferred, or did somebody in the literature with the Powerwall say Ethernet is preferred? The person that was my initial contact at Tesla told me Ethernet's preferred. The uh, one of the people that sent me the self-evaluation form from the installer, so from the installation company, they said to me, if Ethernet's preferred, but then the actual people that installed it were not the people that told me that. So they probably didn't give a crap. Is this something that you're able to go out and take an Ethernet cable and plug yeah. the two things in and it switches over to Ethernet seamlessly? I, I should be able to do it myself if I wanted to. And okay. I might at some point, I probably will do that at some point, but right now I'm just kind of letting it go. Right, you're trying to breathe deeply. I'm, be, I'm being very zen about yeah. this whole thing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell by the, in your video, the zen technique of what is the sound of two teeth grinding. <laughs> really, you seemed centered and calm and you could barely see the muscles in your jaw twitching. Well, actually, let me, let me say this. A little behind the scenes story. I sent an email to my contact, my contact at Tesla recommended this company right and they were cc'd on a lot of the emails between me and them so i sent him and my main contact at the contractor an email when this was all done and said just giving you guys a heads up 
you knew I was making a video about this. They knew I'm a YouTuber. I said, you know, you knew all along I was gonna make a video about this. In the end, I'm not happy with my experience. I'm not happy with the end result. I'm gonna be bringing this stuff up. I said, just wanted to give you guys a heads up so you're not caught off guard if and when this video pops up in front of you guys. And I said, I'm also giving you early knowledge of this so that you could respond to it if you want um, and give me your thoughts or if there's something you want to try to do. And the email I got back from the guy at the contractor company was, be careful or we'll sue you. He never offered to rectify any of the remaining issues. Mm -hmm. It was just a threat to sue. And then he accused me of trying to be salacious and that no matter what they did, I was probably going to make a nasty video. And that's when I was like, okay, there we go. That's my response. I'm going to go ahead and do my what I'm going to do. So right. I, that's when I made the video. But um, that's, that's also, he was accusing me of being salacious. I was never going to use their names in the video. I was never going right. to do anything like that. So it's like, that's not what I do, which I thought was funny because it's like, has he ever watched any of my videos? Because you'd know I'm not the salacious kind of guy. Right. <laughs> I think it was because I was a YouTuber. I think that's why he reacted that way. Right. Um, so operating yeah. from a place of probably fear and defensiveness instead of actually listening to a customer who said, I wasn't pleased with the service. This isn't the first time I've been threatened like this, by the way. I've, I've, um, I've made videos in the past. One, uh, I won't name companies, but I was critical of a company and I got a really nasty email from them just like ripping me up and down and yelling at me. Mm -hmm. And it was clearly because it got under their skin. And just like this guy, he accused me of being negative to get views and what i find hysterical about that is the video that the first guy was accusing me of this is like over a year ago that video did okay it was nothing to write home about and my most best performing video of all time which has over two million views is just me talking about my solar panels right <laughs> there's, there's not me gushing about how i love my solar panels it's like that's over two million views it's like why would you assume that negativity is what's going to get the views? It's like, that's, right. it's a, it's a weird, it's out there in the ether, but it's actually anything but true. And two, that's not how I operate, which is why I just kind of like, I wrote them off. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and just talk about yeah. my experience. Yeah. yeah. So in the same vein of what we've been talking about in your comments, there were a bunch of like one that I thought was distilled all of this down pretty succinctly was from George H one who wrote summary had install quotes from 2,500 to 7,000 went with the 2,500 installation was a clusterfuck. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. So George <laughs> boiling it down to one pithy sentence. There were also some comments which I'm bringing them up. They were a little bit head scratching for me. There were some comments along the lines of, why would you go to the expense of putting in something in the case of a blackout, which is a once in a long while event that seems stupid? It's, and they missed, they I, missed my sentence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just a sort of a general, I imagine they're missing the point of why you have a power wall. Mm -hmm. You don't have a power wall in case of blackouts. Well, the first thing is people spend three to six thousand dollars to install backup generators in their homes in areas that have blackouts three to six thousand dollars for things that are run off of propane or natural gas or even diesel or gasoline like a big generac power generator that you can install in the back of your house as a permanent installation 
Those are thousands of dollars to install. They're not cheap and they're only used for backup, period. That's the only time you spin them up. In my video, I thought it was kind of clear of like the one of the big benefits is this is great for backup and it's actually not that much more expensive than getting one of these Generac generators installed. And in addition to that, it gives me a place to store my excess solar electricity for me to use <laughs> at night. Right. <laughs> it gives, it's, it's unlike those Generac power, those generators, uh, Powerwall gives you use for something 24 seven. It's like right. a, it's like, it's not a unitasker tool. It's a multitasker tool. It gets you in back. It covers you in backups. It covers excess solar. If you have time of use rates, it can adjust when you charge and when you use so that you get, you pay less money over time. And then for me specifically in Massachusetts, there's incentives from the utility, not from taxpayers, but from the utility for participating in something called connected solutions, where you become mm -hmm. part of a virtual power plant system where then every year now I'm at, I've actually signed up for this. I will get cut a check every year from my utility for them using my Powerwall as part of a broader virtual power plant system to help stabilize the grid. So that's why I did it. Like in Massachusetts, I filmed that metering. So it's like there was no incentive to get a battery because it would just the expense would make no sense. But as part of a virtual power plant system, plus blackout potential in the wintertime, those two things for me are hugely worth it. And in time, the uh, virtual power plant system will earn enough money to have paid for the power wall. So why wouldn't I do it? <laughs> That's kind of the thing. And if you live like in, if you live in, if you live in California, time of use rates are pretty dramatic. You're talking about maybe five or six cents of, for per kilowatt overnight, but during the day it might be 20 to 30 cents per kilowatt or more, depending on where you live. So it's like you basically are letting the battery make sure it's topping itself off overnight. And then you're using that when it's super expensive during the day and you can save huge amounts of money. The argument, which was summed up by one commenter who said, so for the same money, you could have purchased a very nice ICE generator, ICE. And I believe an ICE generator in this terminology is just basically like a generator that would run on propane or Yeah, it's internal gas combustion engine. Yeah, internal, yeah. internal combustion. Uh, you could have put in a nice ICE generator that has the whole house running indefinitely. These power walls are a pipe dream. And my response to that was, You've missed the point of what a power wall can do, as you just mm -hmm. said, the multitasking. Also, it can run the whole house indefinitely. Not if for some reason your fuel source cuts out. Mm -hmm. You're not running on magic. Mm -hmm. If your propane runs out, if you if something happens that keeps that from flowing, your fuel source from flowing, you're in the same position as those without power at all. And ultimately, the, the idea that this is meant just for that, it's, it seems a little bit like saying, well, you got a cell phone that's idiotic when you have a phone in your house. Mm -hmm. And it's, well, it's not that it's a phone. It's that it's a phone that can do certain things that a regular phone can't do. And it seemed like a lot of commenters were intentionally missing that point. And it felt like it was a very clear perspective of they don't, this goes back to something you talked about previously. They don't like the idea of solar power. Correct. So they were coming at it from a, you're an idiot for wanting a power wall. 
it's this i totally get it it's human nature it's not it changes hard we can't agree on tr- what a common truth is and if you don't believe in that common truth you're going to come up with excuses for why something is stupid and it's them coming at it in that from that point of view it's just it's ridiculous to me when it's like I, that's not what i said in the video i didn't say i only got this for backup period it's like i said one of the benefits is backup and i'm really excited about virtual power plant systems subscribe so you don't miss my future future video on that it's like i even mentioned it it's like how do you just gloss over (laughs) the other thing i brought up (laughs) well i imagine there's a good number of commenters also who comment without watching the video so yes oh yeah definitely transitioning now to the second half of our show as usual we talk about things that we are watching in an attempt to forget the fact that we are sequestered in our basements waiting for vaccinations. Matt, I'm going to flip a coin. The coin is slipped. Okay. Heads or tails? Here. Tails. It is tails. You win. I have to go first. <laughs> okay. All right. The things that I've been watching most recently, uh, two of them follow in the vein of things I've talked about in previous weeks, which are the Polly Platt podcast uh, story that was part of you must remember this, the podcast yeah. that looks into forgotten stories of Hollywood. And as you may remember, and our listeners may remember, my girlfriend and I have been watching the movies of Polly Platt. And we moved on to the third film of her filmography, which is happily one of my favorite films. I know I enjoy it more than my girlfriend does, but still, I enjoyed watching it. It was What's Up, Doc? So I give a strong thumbs up to anybody who likes Marx Brothers movies, uh, Warner Brother cartoons. And this is a Ryan O'Neill, Barbra Streisand vehicle, which is starts off innocuously enough. And it's just about a bunch of handbags that get mixed up because they all look the same. And <laughs> the zaniness of the, the comedy crescendos with a car chase through the streets of New York or uh, not New York San Francisco. Uh, car chase through the streets of San Francisco that includes three cars and a Chinese dragon a delivery bicycle and a stolen just married VW bug so this is a movie that Matthew and I remember from our childhood fondly and it is something that I have seen I wouldn't even put a number on how many times I've watched it and watching yeah. it the other night I enjoyed it just as much as I always do so I give it a strong recommendation I've the seen other, that movie I've lost count of how many times I've seen it it's one of my favorite comedies yeah that and Mr. Blending Spills his dream house are like probably two of my favorite comedies of all time yeah the writing of both of them is is incredibly stellar sharp. absolutely and strong. if anybody knows the uh one of the first one of the earliest uh SNL writers and he actually hosted SNL way back in their very first season before anybody knew what it was. Uh, Buck Henry, a, a, a fantastic comedy writer and the, the lines in the movie, which are delivered with deadpan stares that are just absolutely stunning that my favorite scene in the entire movie is when the hotel manager comes to find Ryan O'Neill's character, who's uh, Dr. Bannister, find him in his hotel room and ask him to leave the hotel. The back and forth between the two of them is some of the best comedy writing because every single line from the hotel manager is funny. 
mm-hmm. and it's just in the deadpan serious take on the filming that makes the comedy hit even harder so yeah i love it the other thing i'd uh like to recommend is from another podcast that we've been binging through the pandemic which is how did this get made the flip side of our filmography watching for Polly Platt, I made the suggestion to my girlfriend, maybe we could pick a night and we picked Monday nights because Monday nights are usually uh, a little dreary because of the beginning of the work week. And I suggested, why don't we pick a movie from the, how did this get made library of episodes and watch some of these bad movies that we think are watchable enough. And so we watched this past week, we watched the movie Toys with Robin Williams and Joan Cusack and LL Cool J, who I forgot was in the movie. I suggested we watch Toys because I remember seeing it in the theater. When it came out in the 90s, I saw it at least twice. And my big takeaway from it was always, there is a brilliant 30-minute film crammed into two hours. Mm-hmm in this movie. And as we watched it, it, it really, it is so true. There was something about the movie. There were some visuals that were stunning and there are performances in there that are really something to see. And there is a kernel of a touching story about a relationship between a brother and a sister after the death of their father. Mm -hmm. But what is on screen for two hours is a overthought flabby, exhausting movie that while you're watching it is, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing these things. This doesn't make any sense. But my recommendation here is pair it with watching or listening to the podcast. Find the podcast for that episode because once you've seen the movie and then you're listening to them talk about it, you feel like you're in the room with a bunch of very funny people who are taking a movie apart. And they take these movies apart with, there's a lot of respect of craft in it. So they aren't just pooping all over the movie. They are actually investigating the choice making and the work that went into this. And so it's an interesting exercise in, in how to talk about movies in a way that is not just, Oh, it's good. Oh, it's bad, but actually sort of unearthing the, the deeper parts of it. So I make that recommendation to pair some of these podcasts that investigate things with your own investigation of the thing and then listen to the podcast. Right. So that's, those are my two recommendations for the week. I watched the first two episodes of WandaVision, which is the new Marvel show on Disney plus. Mm-hmm. It's actually the first Marvel show that's being produced on Disney plus. And it's about Scarlet Witch and vision from the Marvel movies. Um, have you seen trailers or anything about this? Yes, I know about this. And I also know there was a, I don't know if this is directly uh, pulled from the comic book, but there was a comic about the vision, which was portraying a very 1950s middle America household vision of the vision and Wanda. Kevin Figge, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy that's basically been running the Marvel movies that have been incredibly, um, obviously successful. And the guy that had been running the television arm of Marvel, uh, not having some great success and basically Kevin took over everything. And so this is not only the first Disney plus movie show, this is also the first of his produced television shows. 
And there's a whole bunch of these coming this year. And the best way to probably look at these is they're like extended movies because they have all the same actors from the films and they seem to be limited runs. So I don't think you're going to be seeing WandaVision for five seasons, um, which I think is pretty cool. And uh, my basic takeaway, I'm not going to give anything away about the show. So I'm going to try to be spoiler free. So I'm going to be kind of vague. Uh, It's basically the show is set in what looks like period piece sitcoms. So the first two episodes take place in what's like a cross between Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched. And Scarlet Witch and Vision are a married couple and they're trying to portray themselves as normal people, just like in Bewitched. But instead of having a human husband and a witch wife, it's they're both trying to hide who they actually are from their neighbors and coworkers. But it's also very Twilight Zone-esque because neither of them can remember when they got married. Neither of them can remember where they met. Neither of them can understand what's actually going on. And there's mm-hmm. jokes with Vision of like going to his day job. And he's like, what does this company actually do? And nobody in the company can give him a straight answer. So it's like it's there's a there's a funny funniness to it between they really have nailed the sitcom style humor from 50s comedies. Like mm-hmm. they actually straight up have plot lines right out of those shows. The same kind of witty dialogue that's that really quick repartee that used to have in those shows. And then on top of that, they have jokes that are kind of meta as to like what's actually going on here. Right. And then there's this undertone of sadness to the whole thing because we know as viewers of the films, Vision's dead. He got killed in the Infinity War. And when does this take place? Is this in Wanda's head? Like is Vision actually dead and this is just all in her head or is somebody doing this to her is this taking place before vision died it's like there's so many question marks around the show and there's these in the first two episodes there's these they're both in that 50s bewitch style and they keep just dropping this most subtle hints of a bigger thing that is going on and from what i understand episode three really starts to poke bigger holes into the facade so my recommendation was if you watch the first two episodes and you're kind of like, ah, oh, this is kind of feels a little slow from what I understand is episode three is where things kind of get really, mm. really get going. So, um, which doesn't get released until next week, but my, my takeaway from it is I really, really liked it. I thought it was very unique and it's so cool that Disney and Marvel, because they've had such massive success with those films, this show is incredibly risky like it is such a weird quirky twilight zoney bizarre plot and idea that it's like i can't imagine they would have ever done this if those films hadn't been as successful as they had been so it's it's kind of cool to see them taking risks with something that you would think they'd be very precious about to not potentially damage um so there's there's an aspect of it that for the sake of art i like what they're doing so it's it's pretty cool that's it's really quite fascinating how both Marvel and DC are recreating their comic book the the way that they approach comic books in now movies and television where 
those mediums have coexisted for decades now. But right now, suddenly, all the pieces seem to be in place. And I'm not sure. Things seem so spectacularly expensive. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is that has now allowed for these companies to say, hey, let's jump into movies and TV and do it well. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe the cost of special effects have dropped it to has. a point where they're able to, to accomplish these things. But both those companies are doing so much. And my fear as a viewer is oversaturation. Um, yes. Yeah, I agree. They, they, that, will yeah. Dilute, they will dilute themselves so much by doing so much that they will exhaust the audience and the audiences will suddenly just in mass turn to something else. And, um, you know, but I'm, that's, but that's precisely why I like what they're doing for the sake of art, because a lot of the Marvel films felt very samey. It was like superhero X fights villain Y with a big blue beam that goes to the sky. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, they were pretty much the same thing over and over again. And it's neat to see them being really, really experimental where, there's been zero action in this show at all. It's been, it's, yeah. it's funny. It is just, my wife and I were just laughing out loud at points in the show. It's a very funny show, no action. And it's, it's engaging. And I'm, and I want to know what's going on. It seems like yeah. a psychological thriller slash comedy that, ver, that variety is what they need in their storytelling to keep those viewers engaged and not to get tired of the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Right. And I can tell you as a comic book guy, um, what they've been doing in the movies by and large have been the kinds of huge event crossover storylines mm -hmm. for the most part. There are the standalone movies, Captain America standalone movie versus the Avengers. But even the Captain America storyline has felt very much enmeshed within the Avengers storyline. So mm -hmm. even though those movies are standalone, the ones that feel the most stand apart are the Spider-Man films. And even those have the crossover with Iron Man, but they are kind of in their own world a little yep. bit. Yep. So they feel much more like if you were reading comic books and you were reading something like The Secret Wars and then you have read Spider-Man as well, you would get that totally separate storyline. But there would be episodes or issues of the comic book that would be directly related to that big thing. And it seems like what they're doing with the TV shows now is really jumping into the standalone storyline. Yes. That as you say, not every comic book felt the same when you're reading it. If you were reading the big crossover stories, they do all pulsate with that heroes fight bad guy. Yeah. And what they're doing now, and they've got, I know that for Marvel, they've got a Loki show. They've got a Hawkeye yes. show. They've yeah. got um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is highly anticipated. Um, one that is on the, there was an article in the New York Times with the DC equivalent of, of uh, Feige. And on their side, they're doing the same thing. They are a couple of years behind. And it was interesting to see the numbers. The Marvel has been, I think it's six times money-wise, as successful as DC. Mm -hmm. It's like 100 and something million versus like 20 million in pure profit or something like that. And the slate of things coming out of DC, it, they are taking the same approach and they're using HBO max 
as yeah. their release vehicle. So for them, they've got things that are are gearing up to be, they're effectively creating the multiverse that existed in DC in the 80s, which is they're going to have multiple Batman. Um, they've got the Robert Pattinson Batman movie coming out, which they mm -hmm. are saying is not within the universe of Wonder Woman and the Justice League. There are plans apparently to have a, there was a huge story in DC, which is crisis, which was the, uh, the DC version of we've got too many different storylines. Let's start to collapse them and bring all these multiple versions of these characters together and eliminate some of them. Mm -hmm. They are planning on doing a movie version of that. Oh, wow. And it is forecast as in the future. And they are planning on having Ben Affleck and Tim Ke or Michael Keaton both in the movie as Batman. Ha, ha, whoa. So what they're doing is they're saying like all of DC TV and movie reality could conceivably be brought into this. My fanboy, I was, I was talking to my girlfriend about this and the fanboy in me said, if they would go the lengths of pulling images of Adam West from the old Batman show and oh, implant yeah. him into a crowd scene, Things like that would make the fanboy in me. I would, I would probably start crying. <laughs> and things like Robert Pattinson could even be in the background. You could, you could take Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and bring him into that alongside Heath Ledger's Joker. You could have, you could have all sorts of imagery brought into the screen. In the meantime, they're going to be doing all these different TV shows, and it is a really full slate of TV programs around these different heroes. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that manifests. I agree with you. It is far better to know that something like WandaVision is going to be 10 episodes and done as opposed to season five of WandaVision. Yeah. Cause how yeah. do you, how do you carry that? And my hope would be that they would do that more than that they would say, oh, we're going to look for ongoing series. Something like what they're doing with the Star Wars universe, where they're filling in blank spaces between the larger story with these smaller stories, like The Mandalorian, coming out with shows like Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, but doing it with a vision of a five-year plan to tell a complete story arc and then finish it as opposed to how long can we milk this? Yeah, um, exactly. And there's already so much on television. There's already so much to try and consume. <laughs> and as the fanboy who grew up with these things and reading these comics, I'm so thrilled that these things are now available and, and happening in this way. But you've there's got your also monkey's a part paw, Sean. You got your monkey's paw. There's, there's yeah, a downside that, to this. That's the thing is, is <laughs> I'm, I'm reaching the point of, of um, I only have so much time and... I can't keep up with it all. And I know that's as far as problems, that's a great problem to have, but it does make me feel like, oh, it really doesn't matter. There's part of me that's like, oh yeah, some of this stuff is driving behind and it really doesn't matter. And that makes me turn away from more of it. And that's my fear for the the exhaustion of the audience's patience with all of this. And I know that companies, we just watched a uh, I'll throw out another recommendation here at the end. I forgot to to bring this up. There's a documentary about the Bee Gees on HBO called How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? And it is 
whether you like the music of the Bee Gees or not, watching a documentary about geniuses who are great at making art is always worth watching. You don't have to know how to sculpt in order to enjoy a documentary about a great sculptor. You don't need to know, you don't need to love disco in order to enjoy a documentary about the Bee Gees. The documentary is absolutely about the family relations between these brothers and how they were pulled apart and remended their relationship, brought themselves back together. And it highlights the genius of their work. Mm -hmm. It is worth watching in that regard. One of the things that comes out in the story is the backlash against disco. And the reason for the backlash against disco was because the industries, once they recognized that disco sold so well, at one point the Bee Gees had, I think the number was six out of the top 10 songs in the top 40. The other band that had done that was the Beatles. So the Bee Gees out of the top 10, it was from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. They had six songs in the top 10 at the same time. Once companies saw how much money could be made with disco, they over-commercialized it and they saturated the market with it to the point where radio stations who were tied to playing the top 40 were like, all we have is Bee Gees. Mm -hmm. We don't have anything else. And that began to turn the tide against disco. And then the audience turned against it because it was saturating the market. And there's a part of me that fears that that could happen here, that these companies will so flood their personal networks. Disney Plus will become nothing but superheroes. HBO Max will have nothing but superhero shows. And then once those fail for a full solid year, the companies will just drop it all and walk on to the next thing. And the fanboy and me will be left alone wondering where everybody went. So that's my, that's my sad little I'm worried about what they're going to do to themselves. Speech. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Is anybody else out there in love with the slate of Star Wars and superhero movies and TV shows, but also a little worried about it? Or are they just basking in <laughs> what feels like a golden age? It is the golden age. Nerddom. <laughs> yes. Let us know what you think. You can reach out to us through our contact information. It's in the podcast description. Please do subscribe. You know where to subscribe, anywhere podcasts are available, and they are available from a lot of different services. Find your favorite and subscribe to us. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew helps me pick out a Batman costume. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. 